This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson. Today's episode is about reasons why your childhood patterns roll into business with clinical psychotherapist Jennifer Nurick. Jennifer Nurick specializes in healing anxious attachment, attachment injuries, and childhood trauma. She's a licensed clinical psychotherapist, counsellor, energetic healer, and author of Heal Your Anxious Attachment. Jennifer's the founder of Psychotherapy Central. She's been working as a healer for over 20 years, combining Eastern and Western practices. Jennifer offers transformational courses to help individuals and couples heal trauma and build secure long-term relationships. Welcome, Jennifer, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Amanda. I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. You've obviously got such a passion for this work. What led you to this and what is Psychotherapy Central? Mm. Psychotherapy Central is a community that I started around about the beginning of COVID. I'd never made an Instagram post. I literally had to go onto Google and type in how do I post a post on Instagram. I'd been using Facebook for, for my family and friends, yeah. never used Instagram. And I just got this really strong feeling to start to create content. And it was part of my own learning process. I really enjoy study. I enjoy research. Mm. So I, I covered quite a lot of topics, grief, um, depression, attachment, um, relationships, and I, I found as I was, as that community just started growing really fast, that a lot of people were super curious about attachment mm. and really starting to recognize, ah, oh, I can feel that I'm anxiously attached or I have avoidant tendencies, starting to understand some of those patterns and seeing it in themselves through quite a compassionate lens yes. where it's not, I'm flawed, it's more of, ah, this is, there's a reason why some of these behaviours show up in my adult life and let me learn about that and get curious about it. So sort of took off in that direction, like what, a therapy central. What a perfect service to offer at that time in particular and ongoingly with our incredibly challenging, uncertain era that we're now in. And, yeah, I think people are so much more receptive in the general public these days to this whole body of research that is so famous, so important in psychotherapy of attachment because we have all been attached to the mother and other mm -hmm. and that's what is a large um, foundation for who we are, isn't it? Mm, yeah, it's so primal. You know, mm. If we're not in connection as an infant, as a toddler, I mean, probably up till, what, like 11, 12, if you're just left alone in a forest, we're, we're going to die. Yes. So that's the primal instinct to I have to be connected to mm. my source of safety and food and nurturance. Otherwise, I will literally die. Yes. Yeah. And then we all got so disconnected from each other through the lockdowns. Mm. So this is a time for reconnecting and for understanding our own internal connections. But why mm. do childhood patterns roll into business? Mm. 
I have a lovely story that I might share with permission of my good friend. She sat down with me once and she said, Jen, I have this amazing insight that I know you'll resonate with because she knows that I love this stuff. She said, I, I've just realised that I'm playing this role at work that is an exact replica of what I did at home in the family system there. And she said, I've, I've got this boss, a male boss, and he has very similar qualities to my father, quite aggressive, um, finds it quite hard to understand where other people are coming from, struggles with having empathy for other people. And my work colleagues all come to me complaining about him, you know, mm. oh, I can't talk to him about this. He spoke to me so disrespectfully. And so she was kind of being this uh, intermediary, kind of mm. the peacekeeper between um, her work colleagues and this boss. And she said, suddenly I realised that that's exactly what happened between me and my siblings, that my siblings are kind of my work colleagues. They would come to me, complain about dad. I would kind of counsel them. Yep. I would sort of tiptoe eggshelly around dad, try to placate him, try to keep him happy so that he would be the best version of himself so that the system mm. <laughs> would stay balanced. Yes. And she realised that she was playing exactly the same role. She'd ended up in exactly the same dynamic. And so... I love that story because it's just such a it's such a clear example of how family dynamics can what we've experienced in the original family system and this is sort of that system thinking that I know you you would you know you know a lot about transfers into or can transfer into the work environment and because in many ways it can become like another family we've got a hierarchy yeah. Um, we have roles that we play. We're trying to keep the system balanced um, subconsciously, usually. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And for those who don't know about family systems, off air, we were talking about Bowlby, um, who's the great classic researcher into attachment, mm. uh, childhood, inner child, and, and so forth, and Biddle, who discussed these systems. And, and that's the, the dynamic of the original family that we were involved with or, or grew up in, and how then we find similar uh, clusters of people or clusters of people in the workplace who can form systems as well that we then tend to find ourselves falling into these roles that you've just given us a wonderful example of where we're enacting almost, we're playing out, replaying mm. the role that we had in our original family of origin mm. now in this family workplace system that's mm. become like a family and often very toxic as well because everyone's shadow self, if you like, or this this hidden, as you said, side, this unconscious side is playing out because yeah. it's not going to go away or be completely repressed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, the responses that we had, the impact it had on our body and on our energy levels can often be directly replicated. So you might find yourself feeling exhausted um, and feeling I'll use the word triggered and essentially what triggered means is you're having a response that seems louder than the situation is kind of calling for. And you might even, I mean, I know when I've been triggered, there's a part of me looking at myself going, 
Jeez, Jen, this response this response is quite loud internally. Like you're speaking quite gently, but internally you're having a very loud response. And so, you know, that's that's a trigger is when um, the way that I see it is a, um, a part of us from the past has been kind of prodded and it's a similar flavor to something we've experienced in the past that isn't resolved. And so when it happens in the current day, that pet, that part that's holding the pain, we suddenly feel that pain or, or the anger gets sparked and and we have some kind of emotional, um, and often it's quite, um, like for me, it's often very somatic, I often feel it quite strongly in my body and it will be accompanied with a flood of, um, you know, thoughts, which might be, oh, but he's so wrong and how dare he, da, 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 or, yeah, absolutely. I call call it an extra charge of emotion that's disproportionate to the situation, and mm. and I think we often get consumed by it before we even realise that we're triggered, as you said. And yeah. and I, I think leaders often find themselves triggered as well. It's not just you know people who are reporting into leaders and mm-hmm. get confused at their reaction being so intense to, to someone that they're trying to manage. Mm. Yeah, we absolutely. All- or all of us, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and as you say, catching it when you can, it's mm. such an opportunity. You know, we're both healers and we see this as a positive thing really that there's an opportunity for healing when you do get triggered mm. in the workplace that you mm. can ask yourself, who does this remind me of in my family of origin or in my peers as a, a child or a teen or when I was maybe bullied or in an early relationship in my 20s or early workplace even, yeah. yeah, opportunity to then dig back and grab hold of that wound and do yeah. some work on it and to heal. Yes, yes, exactly. That's interesting. We have a very similar view of how that works. Mm, I think we're all healers when we're in the psychotherapy world. Um mm. And, and as you talked off air about trying to win over and redemption, I love this word redemption, that that mm. part of us is looking for this, this redemption or this unrequited love that we didn't get from a particular parent that we tried and we struggled and we got addicted to trying to get blood out of a stone, I often say, when it's a parent that, as you just said, lacks the empathy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so if you think about it as that kind of younger part is still looking towards the father figure and that can be projected onto, it doesn't have to be a male boss. It could be, um, it could be your father-in-law or it could be um, your, 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 your older sister's husband, or it could be, you know, different people, but that part will come forward and, and start to do things that, that you might think of, you know, it, oh, it's a strange behavior. I can feel myself kind of performing for him. And I could feel myself getting really jealous when he gives my colleague attention. Yep. Yep. And, you know, it doesn't make any logical sense, but you can kind of feel it happening and almost like you can't control it. Oh, yeah. And so when I when I use that word, um, looking for redemption, it's kind of that younger part. If I can make him turn towards me and love me and see me in the way that I really wanted my dad to, then that part of me is redeemed because I am lovable and I am enough and I am worthy. Yeah. And when it doesn't happen, 
the tendency is to keep going with the striving and using often um, the same techniques we were using maybe when we were 3, 13, 16 and, mm. you know, and, and older. And again, I, it's it's not kind of, we, we might even, do, often we see ourselves doing it and think, what was I doing? Like, who is this person? I know. Mm, yeah, we see yeah. a colleague doing it and we think, why are they so pushy and pushy and why do they have to be so sort of, um, I don't know, trying to plead or placate or sort of mm. um, be be the favourite of the boss, you know, even a female, you know, it's replicating the mother figure. But in fact, we're so disempowered when we're being triggered. And so mm. here's an opportunity to actually discover where you're finding yourself disempowered by your own unconscious wound to then mm. empower yourself in the workplace because it's actually a bit dangerous potentially to be so triggered when we're then not as in control of ourselves. Our subconscious is more in control, right? Absolutely. And I love the way that internal family systems and part work talks about this. It's a very compassionate model, I think, where it, they see it as we get blended. So a, a kind of a, a younger part, and like you pointed out, it might be three, but it might be um, it might be a part that went through an abusive relationship in mm. your 30s, you know, yeah. um, can be a, a big age spectrum, but we become blended with that part and it kind mm. of takes over. And so we're just acting from that part that on some level is still trapped in time and space, still trying to get dad's attention or still trying to get away from the abusive partner or trying to hide from that person. Mm. So, yeah, it can be very disempowering. And on the flip side, once you know that that's happening, there's a lot of things that you can do about it. Mm. Absolutely. And I think compassion is a key word here because I think a lot of people feel shame when this happens mm. and it takes us back to that early wound where shame is often associated. But we're all in this together. We're all on a healing journey as human beings and we're all learning and growing and you know, I guess that's the learning, healing mindset, growth mindset as well from an organisational psychology workplace perspective that yeah. you combine that with the family systems and family models that help us to heal as we are humans in workplace as well. Mm, absolutely. And we we come in with the depth of, well, with all of our history. Absolutely. Yeah. So communication patterns are part of all of mm. this too. And I think, you know, being able to be catching ourselves when we are being triggered, our old attachment styles, and finding mm. ourselves being in a con conflict kind of avoidance mode that we might have fallen into as a safety, mm. um, protective and, and successful role in the family of origin. How mm. can people catch themselves going into these these responses in communication, in handling stress and, and conflict in the workplace. What's what's some good tips for dealing with that? Or catching yourself when when you're doing when you're acting out. When you, yeah. Yeah, when you see it. Well, number one is to recognize, ah, oh, that was what I witnessed in my family of origin. And I have a personal story here. So in my family of origin, the the main mode of communication was sort of passive aggressive so there was it just wasn't role modeled how to um, have assertive conversations to really talk about your needs it was just um, something would happen and then wouldn't be spoken to for a few days or 
So there was a lot of kind of passive aggressive behavior. Mm. And in my second long-term relationship, um, because that's how I knew to let somebody know that I was upset was to not speak to them for a while to kind of, you know, get quite sulky. And um, and and I realized that it just didn't work with this person. <laughs> it just <laughs> didn't work. Um, and then I thought, kind of really silly like how would I expect that person to know what's what's upset me and why I'm feeling hurt if I don't actually tell them that I'm upset and feeling hurt <laughs> so I almost kind of laughed at myself I was like it's actually such a silly thing to be doing and I just changed it and it was way more effective yeah. so that's how it worked for me I just kind of it just wasn't it wasn't working and it just became really and when I when I when I said what the problem was and what I needed I got my needs met and I was heard so I had a repair I mean in psychology talk a a reparative experience around that Mm. and it was super helpful so I guess my tip would be number one notice what your pattern is and often it will be a pattern that you experienced in family of origin Mm. I have I notice a lot of people will often have a dynamic when one parent's quite explosive and the other parent's quite withdrawing and often we will choose one of those yes either we'll be explosive or we'll be withdrawing and so just kind of noticing okay that's my pattern is step one and then step two is well how how do I try something different what would be kind of a small step forward so not too scary mm-hmm. but if I feel myself kind of pulling away and I, I want to go kind of sulk in my cubicle and, and of course it's an option but if I were to sort of try something different as an experiment what might it be yeah yeah and as you said talking to a friend when your friend was telling you her experience or his experience um, we can hear ourselves um, and and understand ourselves a bit better, like talking to a therapist, of course. So that awareness mm. that you had of replaying the passive-aggressive way of being in the relationship, sometimes we get that awareness from telling someone about an uncomfortable situation that we've just found ourselves in and hearing ourselves repeating the pattern of the family of origin that we were in. So that, that awareness mm. is everything, isn't it, just being aware mm. of ourselves? And then, as you Mm. said, you know, try something a bit different, just move out of your comfort zone, because even though that's uncomfortable in in a way, it's familiar. So I guess moving out of our familiar zone more than than anything and the familiar way of operating that we've adopted from childhood. Mm. And if you have access to therapy, taking, taking that experience into therapy can be really helpful and getting in touch with that part that wants to withdraw and go sit in the cubicle for three days and fold their arms. Yes. <laughs> I, def- I definitely recognise that. Um, yeah, and, and getting getting to know that part and, and what it's needing in those situations. Yeah. You know, being in a therapy space can be super helpful for that. Absolutely. And you've got some wonderful resources, which we'll talk about a a bit later. But I think in the workplace these days, too, we're looking at job crafting, career crafting, and that that really opens Mm -hmm. up the opportunity to talk to uh, peers, to talk to leaders about, you know, personal development, growth, and this can all play into that as well. What about team dynamics and what researchers have found about teams and attachment styles? Mm. yeah it's interesting with 
secure attachment, they've found that there's better cooperation, better communication and overall performance mm. when they compare it with teams where there's a higher proportion of people who have one of the insecure attachment styles and the three types of insecure are anxious, avoidant and disorganised, which, which would make sense. Um, oh, so there's does. some research around that. Um, yeah that people can look up if they're interested. Excellent. Yeah. And there it is to the leader's benefit that they not understand this secure and insecure attachment style as well, not that mm. they're going to become the therapist, but understanding that if people seem insecure, anxious, avoidant, disorganised, even ambivalent, that, you know, the better educated a leader is on this these human elements. And we're talking about nuanced management styles that came out of COVID that, yes, it's a, a twist for leaders and managers to know how to to manage people a little bit more hands-on in terms of their personality but all of this wonderful literature and information that's there in your book which we will discuss a bit soon is only to their benefit if, if the team is actually performing so much better when mm. the members are becoming able to be more secure in their attachment within themselves let's discuss these insecure attachment styles and just briefly mm. what they mean to be let's say, anxious? Mm. So when, I mean, the research around attachment styles came out of um, Mary Ainsworth and the other name totally escapes me right now, John Bowlby, yes. yes. John Bowlby, Mary Ainsworth, was watching how children reacted in, in an experiment that was called the strange situation. And so they were left with their primary carer and the and, and back then it was mostly the mother. So the mother would kind of would leave the room and then come back in. They would be left with a stranger. The stranger would leave. And they watched how the different children responded to the mother's presence and the mother's absence. And they found that there were, yeah, four categories. So one is secure, and that's about 50% of the population. One was disorganized, which was about 3% of the population. And then the rest are split about 50-50 between anxious and avoidant. So when we have the disorganized, it often is coming from a traumatic background somewhere. So there is this really strong um, biological pull to be connected in order to survive, which we discussed earlier is human nature. But at the same time, this person can also be a source of, of pain and hurt and sometimes be unsafe. And so there's this equal opposite pull to get away. Mm. So there's this sort of disorder, I want to get, I have to be close, I have to be far away. Mm. Yeah. And so with that style, if, if you're listening to this and you're feeling like, oh, that really feels like something I'm working with, my really big tip, because there's often that intense trauma stuff sitting there, is if you can be a former therapist. Definitely. And, and yeah, and just let them know this is what I'm suspecting and I'd love to, to work with the unresolved pieces sitting there. That would be mm. ideal. And then with the avoidant and the anxious, attachment sits on a spectrum. So, mm. it's, as you know, it's, so it's not kind of, you know, I have chicken pox, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, it, it sits on a spectrum. Yep. And we can be uh, more anxious or less anxious. 
And that can change as well according to who we're in relationship with. So I have a tendency to be anxiously attached. That's my sort of natural place. Yep. More on that end of the spectrum. So if I'm in relationship with someone who's fairly secure, I have a tendency to sort of move towards the secure end of the spectrum. But then if I'm in relationship with somebody who's very avoidant and kind of quite far on the end of the avoidance spectrum, then I have a tendency to get more anxious. Yes. Yeah. So it does depend a bit who we're in relationship with. So with the anxious style, there tends to be a sort of an arresting place in the nervous system of that kind of fight or flight hyperarousal. Yeah. And an anxiety of where is my person? Mm. Are they connected to me? Are they are they with me? Do they have my back? And and we can be quite hyper aware of if they're, you know, little nuance, they're going to can be quite small things. Are they looking away? When our partner leaves, it can feel quite intense on the inside, yep. can feel like being being left and being abandoned. And we can get quite strong feelings and often get kind of flooded and mm-hmm. have so many feelings, can't even work out what's going on. I feel angry and I feel really sad and I feel abandoned and I want to throw up. And mm-hmm. it can be quite strong. And it can be in the workplace. All of those things can play out in the workplace as well yeah. with with one's boss or colleague, um, yeah. just as much as in a romantic relationship. Yeah. And so the tendency is I want to stay close mm. because when I'm close, I'm I'm safe and I'm I'm connected. Yeah. And with the avoidance dial, there's often in childhood there's been kind of a, a reaching out needs to be met reaching out for food reaching out for um, nurturance reaching out for different things and for different reasons and there can be lots of different reasons that uh, the child's needs haven't been met enough of the time so Mm -hmm. the 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 child and again it's not cognitive it's kind of a well i you know there's no point in asking so i'll just do it myself and so they can be very independent children kind of seen as all such a little adult so independent and I work a lot with people who have the avoidance system and often there's quite big blocking parts that will come in and as soon as we start to touch a deep feeling, like quite a big blocking part will come in and, oh, no, it's not safe to feel that. Um, And so often in relationship um, when, you, you you, you might have had a partner some of the people listening who've been, you might think, oh, I know that person was quite avoidant or would withdraw a lot from me. Often it's not kind of an intentional thing. It's more that um, their natural way of coping when there's distress in the, the relationally is that these blocking parts will come in and kind of numb or shut down and they want to withdraw. It's kind of a like the, the go-to. Mm. Um, and you can you can imagine the the situation of a leader finding that the person they're trying to uh, manage is blocking and shutting down mm. and can't mm. actually access the feelings of why work wasn't submitted or wasn't good enough or whatever it might yeah, yeah. be so that their frustration of trying to lead someone who's got that avoidant attachment style could be better mm. understood that they're not feeling safe yes yeah and also there's some research around um, avoidant people can find it um, more difficult or, or difficult to receive feedback sometimes mm. as well. They might kind of become quite defensive mm. or kind of dismiss it. So that can happen a bit. Mm. Absolutely. 
So learning about ourselves and other people is so important for our performance at work and our security and in life. Mm. Uh, you talked about letting the quality of emotion guide you and be your guide. Could, could we talk more about that? Mm, yeah. When a trigger happens and you've had, like we discussed earlier, that strong reaction to something, mm. it's kind of about stepping towards it with curiosity. Okay, what was the quality of the emotion that came up there? And it might be... Um, I felt really unheard in that meeting. You know, I tried to speak three times and my colleagues spoke over me and and then I just spoke too loudly and said, please, can I be heard? And I kind of got to fight myself that I was so loud. And the trigger when I really feel into it is not Sandra or whoever whoever it was. It, it, it's really the core feeling is I'm not, I, well, I'm not being heard is is what I was feeling inside. I'm not being heard. And then the feeling related to that for me is unseen, unimportant, not worthy. Yeah. So I would spend a bit of time, you know, what's mm. what's, what's what's there under that not mm. heard. Yeah, that quality. I love that, that the qualities or the the lack of worth in in that is a quality in itself. Mm. And that can then be your, I think of it like a slipstream. So from there, you can have a slipstream into, when did I feel like that in the past? Mm. Yeah. And and usually when I do that with myself and my clients, a time pops up. Ah, well, that, that, was, I mean, that was my whole childhood with my father. Yeah. Or that was my whole childhood. You know, there were six siblings. I was the youngest. I was just never heard. Yeah. And so that's a, a gateway into, into some healing work. Into healing, absolutely. And I think when we take the next step, which is where that father must have um, received that, that same sort of quality or feeling or lack of self-worth themselves and passed it down mm. the generations that this multi-generational healing um, rather than, you know, we're not blaming parents here. We're saying that, you know, the things were handed down to them, of course, as well. So understanding this is a multi-generational issue is so liberating, mm. isn't it? Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Um, and I know in my own healing journey, there was a very big piece around really around me stepping into my own father's shoes mm. and imagining what his childhood was like for him and imagining why he might have been the way that he was with me. And yeah. I got a lot of insight. Yeah. It was helpful, really helpful for me. Oh, I can only imagine. That's wonderful. And when we're talking now about breaking the patterns, of course, because you would find, as I do, a lot of people come to us because they don't want to pass this on to their children, whatever yeah. wounds they're carrying. And so that's another great incentive to do this healing work, not just because you find in the workplace it's playing out, but in now your own family you're creating. Yeah, and I have lots of people who arrive and say that, you know, Jen, I know that I'm doing these things and I know that my mom did them and, and I don't want to do it. So mm. yeah. help, let's do it. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's break some of, these, some of these patterns. Absolutely. Jennifer, I ask all my guests, 
What makes you psyched for life? It's the adventure, I think, Amanda. I think it's the adventure, the, the not knowing what's coming next, but in a very positive way, in a kind of pleasantly surprised. Like I walked out of what I thought was going to be a meeting today was cancelled, but then I walked out and my husband left me, it's Valentine's Day today, he left me a red rose oh. and a little box of cakes, chocolates, and you go, just a little surprise. And coming onto this podcast with you, did, uh, we were chatting before about, I did went on your website, I had a, a look at, you know, what you've been doing and just uh, so much that you've done in your life. And then we had this wonderful conversation before the podcast about all of your healing work and, and that side of you that was just such a wonderful surprise and this connection. So I love that, like the adventure, just the adventure that life is. Wonderful. And for others to get the benefit of Jennifer Nurek's courses and resources. You can find all of my resources and courses at psychotherapycentral.health. I have a podcast, Psychotherapy Central. There's some great resources on YouTube. I also have a suite of free resources available on my website. So best place to connect with me is through Instagram, which is psychotherapy.central. Wonderful. And your book is called Heal Your Anxious Attachment, available at all major bookstores and on Amazon and Booktopia. Wonderful. Yep. And for all this information, go to the show notes. You'll find it all there. Oh, it's been such a delight and so fascinating talking with you, Jen. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Mm, thank you so much for having me, Amanda. Really lovely to meet you and to share with your audience. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. Plus, don't forget you can access all of the resources mentioned in today's podcast via the show notes. Is there a pressing issue or topic you'd like me to discuss? Head to my Instagram at dramandaferguson and send me a DM. I love hearing from my listeners. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist Service on 1800 333 497 or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Kids Helpline again 24-7 on 1800 double five 1800 and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.